This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Tuesday morning. So Cheryl Cole goes back to the X Factor. Big deal. Nobody is remotely interested. Nobody is remotely interested. She wasn't doing anything. She was sitting there twiddling her thumbs, probably doing car boot sales. There was no chance that it's going to change it. The last set of audience figures for the X Factor were dismally awful, I'm afraid. Bringing her back, will it make any difference? I shouldn't think so. She didn't contribute very much to the last time she was on. And uh, the Daily Mail says you should never keep a mobile in the bedroom. Why? We'll tell you bit later on. And no longer will Mr Kipling have exceedingly good cakes. They're heading for a rebrand. All of that and the gadget competition and your texts and emails between now and 6.30 because it's LBC. And you're very, very welcome. It's nice to be company. I trust you are well. Uh, Ray Quinn, after his win... Uh, I'm surprised, actually, he didn't feature in the nude edition of Attitude magazine. I think he's about the only one that they've not put in there. But... Uh, I think his other half is due to go into the the Jersey Boys. I like Ray Quinn. I don't like the tattoos, but I like I like Ray Quinn. I think he's uh, he he appears to be relatively unaffected by by fame. He appears to just get on with it. There was a picture spread in some magazine a short while ago. It might have been OK or Hello Magazine or somebody else's, and it had him at home. And he obviously lives a very sort of simple lifestyle. It's a bit like most most of the people from anyways Essex. Nobody's got a fantastic property there. They're all living in what can only be described as roughly condemned slums. And I only say that because I watched yesterday poor little Dan, uh, Dan who was in Splash, and unfortunately is as thick as a plank. Most of them are so awful in that program. It's got worse. It's got absolutely worse. The only gay in the village, Bobby Boris Cole, you know, I don't know whether I should say this. You know, I mean, it's really, it's the most affected person I've ever seen on the television. It's tragically awful, I'm afraid. And yesterday he decided to go and drop somebody in it because I had that text, you know, from like this girl, she slept with him. And so then the, the girlfriend, and I couldn't tell you her name because they all look exactly the same, uh, but she wasn't Fran. Fran is the one who's been sleeping with Frank Major, who looks like he's a reject from an old Essex Boys movie. And, and then she was sleeping with somebody else. I mean, quite clearly, she's a local village tramp. There's no two ways about it. I don't understand why these people want to parade their love lives on there. But uh, Bobby Boris Cole decided to tell everybody, because this girl, how he knows her, I've got no idea, or where she gets his number from. Perhaps it's written on motorway bridges. But uh, he's a rather ghastly character. You know, he's just, he's ugly and he's nasty. And that's, you know, that the, the combination doesn't even make pleasant watching on television. It really doesn't make pleasant watching. And so he decides to tell this girl that the, that the boy she's seeing, in the only way is Essex, has slept with this girl in Brighton, and so she throws a drink, goes, get him away from me. Well, you know, one, once, once a tart, always a tart. And most of the boys seem to be tarts there. Mario Falcone is uh, doing it with just about everybody. I mean, quite clearly, they're, I mean, they might as well all be advertising on the Reaper Barn. It's absolutely disgusting. And then we had some woman the other day doing a bit of... I think it was Reiki, but with her feet, because she had no arms. And uh, Elliot Wright, who's another one of the dismal family, you know, we had Nanny Pat resurfacing. I mean, Lord, no, she looks like she's embalmed. And they were sort of laughing at Gemma Collins, who still is as big as a beach hut, I'm afraid, and still talks in that little five-year-old voice. A bit like Bobby Norris Cole who apparently is welcoming the idea that Cheryl Coles go back to the X Factor, proving what a dreary little so-and-so he really is. Other stories in the papers for today. Susan Boyle. Remember I told you the story that Susan Boyle had wandered into a uh, betting shop. She was applying for a job, and she said because she fears that uh, she's going to go broke. 
I don't know why, she's got quite a few million pounds sitting in the bank. Uh, Simon and Chesa finally buried the hatchet. It's got nothing to do for the, uh, for the non-singing midget to do with money. Uh, he begged her to return for months. Well, let's face it, Simon, I mean, she wasn't really doing anything. The last album flopped. Everything has flopped for her. If she's going to try and promote a new album, she needs to go on the X Factor again to get the sales. But you suddenly realise that she's got, she's got no talent in the singing department. And, um, and now, just to upset everybody else, because they don't have anybody else. They don't have anybody else. And so they've actually got Louis Walsh, who'll quite happily work. She doesn't care. He just gets on with it. You know, if they ask him back, they ask him back. They don't ask him back. He's not bothered. He's got other things to do. Uh, Cheryl Cole obviously quite clearly doesn't and has washed up at that early age. Um, Whether or not they allow her to sing on the programme, or mime as I prefer to call it, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I shall watch it and I shall be... uh, I shall be intrigued, but it won't boost the figures. It won't boost the figures. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't think anything could boost the figures of the programme because everybody knows how the programme works. You know for the first few weeks, you'll have a few bunch of dismal nobodies who will go on there and we'll all go, aren't they stupid? They can't sing. And it's the, and it's the sort of... It's the syndrome of how to manipulate the public. It's beautifully done, don't get me wrong. Don't ever get me wrong. I mean, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But at the same time, we laugh at the poor unfortunates, the people who can't sing, the people who... There is no hope at all. You'll have somebody having a tantrum. There'll be somebody breaking down in tears, somebody doing it for their dead grandmother, somebody doing it for a cat that was run over. It'll all be, you know, my dad's last last wish was I should sing on this programme. OK, off you go. Uh, you, you, you wake me up. Yeah, you can't sing, dear. <laughs> my father said I could sing. And so it goes on. That's why you've got to go see the musical I Can't Sing at the Palladium. It's going to be brilliant. Uh, Junior in Glasgow says, I've just found the podcast Sugar Rush. It's the show where you ate a bag of jelly babies before. I didn't eat a whole bag, but I did have a few jelly babies. And he says, you then went off piste. Funniest shows ever. Everybody was texting to congratulate. You were high as a kite. I couldn't remember anything about it. I couldn't tell you half the things that happened on that programme. Jelly babies and me are a big no-no. Because it is just too, too... Uh, much sugar. Too much. I mean, way too much sugar, even by my standards. And and then I laughed, and then I was saying goodbye to Christo, and it was, it was just a big disaster, I'm afraid. If, if of course... I mean, I, I wouldn't want to hear it back again. I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't want to hear it back. But I gather it has gone down in history as one of those programmes which you should hear. It's as simple as that. Uh, looking forward to the Russell Watson in conversation. Actually, this week... In conversation, I think we've got... Who have we got this week in conversation? We've got, um... Ruby Wax, really good, really good. She's really off on one. She's really off on one. And I think we've got Brian Connolly. Ah, fantastic. His mum will be thrilled. So Ruby Wax and Brian Connolly. Brian, has got a new quiz show on the television. And Ruby is touring at the moment with, a, with another one of her brilliant shows. So, uh, excellent. You don't want to miss it for this weekend. Oh, look, here's Kelly Brook again. It's been about an hour since she's been in the newspapers. She's back with that dreary boyfriend of hers, the one who looks like, I don't know where, what he looks like. Um, uh, he's a former gladiator, but nobody's ever heard of him before. He's just some waste of space with a pair of headphones. They're not actually, they don't even look as though they're together. He obviously can't dress himself. And uh, they say she's ready to give him another chance. She can't pick the right people, can she? I mean, really, for an old woman of her age, she's 34, for God's sake. You'd think by now she'd have tried to be an adult, but she can't find the right pit. Perhaps she likes a bit of rough. Perhaps she's one of those people who is strangely attracted to, to bad men or men who, you know, she can't be stable. I mean, I should imagine she's a blooming nightmare to be with. 
I mean, she's not the brightest penny in the box, as we all know, or the sharpest knife in the drawn. The lights are on, but the lift... Sorry, the lights are on, but nobody's home, and the lift doesn't go all the way to the top floor. But, you know, she takes good pictures, but all the blokes she goes out with look a bit Neanderthal to me. And this one's no different. I mean, to say that somebody was a gladiator... How many years ago was that, for God's sake? It was donkeys years ago. Nobody's remotely interested, are they, in something that happened a long, long time ago? I quite like the story of the bloke being kicked out of the bingo hall. Now, I don't know whether or not you've ever been to bingo. Uh, well, this was a disabled bingo fan. I don't know whether or not it makes any difference that he's disabled or whether he isn't disabled. But uh, when people go uh, one and one, legs 11, people generally go... <whistles> you know, it's, 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 it's like going to see the Rocky Horror Show. At certain points in the show, people shout out obscenities. And so if you go to bingo and somebody shouts out legs 11, you go... Everybody does it. That's how it works. Anyway, staff told Gerard Merry, who suffers from cerebral palsy, his whistles were distracting other players and his behaviour was sexist. God, here we go. Where is this blooming place? Anyway, he was refused. He was uh, refused to leave. When he refused to leave, bosses called 999 and police frog marched him out. He's got cerebral palsy. I mean, I understand that, you know, just because he's got cerebral palsy doesn't make him any different from anybody else. Um, it's in Birmingham. He's been, he's been banned from returning to BJ's bingo hall. A BJ spokesman refused to comment, but another player said there had been complaints about Gerard's loud behaviour. So, so they actually called 999. They actually called... What a stupid bingo hall they must be. So somebody goes... I mean, it might, I mean he might have gone on for a while, I don't know. He's got cerebral palsy. Perhaps it affects people different ways. I don't know. I don't know. But at the end of the day, they call the police and the police take him out. You know, they've asked you to leave, go away, and you're not allowed back in here again. I would consider it a blessing. You'd want to go to a naff old bingo hall like that, where they don't know how to treat... But perhaps they didn't know he had cerebral palsy. Perhaps he should sue them. I don't know. Why, why don't you sue them, actually, Gerard? You know, he's a, he's a bachelor at 47. So I'll tell you. Tells you he likes bingo, which is a bit of a shame. I like the uh, the last words of Steve Irwin. I don't know how this one's emerged after all these years. You remember Steve Irwin, the TV wildlife star, used to put himself on the front line, dangerous snakes, crocodiles, anything that was about to attack him. And in the end, he gets, uh, he gets done by a stingray. And it's the barb at the end. And apparently, uh, it's speared his heart like hot butter. And um, this man here... Uh, Justin Lyons, this is his, his cameraman, says his last words were, I'm dying, because he obviously knew what had happened. And I'm led to believe this barb at the end of a stingray is is literally like a metal bar. It's very, very sharp. And uh, he said it was stabbing wildly hundreds of strikes in seconds. I was saying, hang on. And he calmly looked up and said, I'm dying. And that was the last thing that uh, he said. The attack in Queensland was filmed but they've never released it. But I bet your bottom dollar, and I know it sounds awful to say, but there will be people who'll be going, well, why, why don't we release it? You think, what, to watch somebody's last dying seconds? Why would you want to watch something like that? But I, I can understand how years down the line people think differently. And they might be saying, well, I think we should show that on the television. I don't think his family would want it. Bindi, his wife, certainly wouldn't want it. Or his, uh, or his daughter, who now, I think was Bindi, I'm sure Bindi was his wife. And now the daughter has carried on. And so, D Bindi was the daughter, right. What's the wife? Terry. Terry and Bindi. But uh, she's, she's grown up now, Bindi, hasn't she? She's sort of 15, 16. But uh, he was still an interesting... He came over here 
to give some awards away at the National Television Society when they had some big do at the Royal Albert Hall, and he came on in his familiar khaki shorts and everything else. Good day. He was like, sort of, you know, he was like rough, tough Australian, but at the end of the day, uh, a fish got him, and, uh, and badly. But they did film it. Whether or not it's ever been seen or whether the family have ever seen it, I've got no idea. No idea. 4.15. Ian Dale is in for Nick Ferrari today. As it's revealed, more women than ever are drinking too much during pregnancy. He'll be asking, how much is too much? Plus, what's the point of university? Can anybody tell me? The point of university is get a better education. OK, that's what I think will be the point of you. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure if I went through this building at this precise moment, there would be people here who've got qualifications as long as your arm. I'm quite sure. But are they earning what I'm earning? And I have no qualifications. And did going to university make any difference at all? And how can flooding have created jobs? You can join Ian this morning from seven. Yasmin Alibi-Brown, journalist and author uh, for The Independent and The Standard. will be looking through the papers today. Uh, Joey Essex, we had to mention him yesterday. Poor old Joey Essex, not the brightest penny in the box. In fact, that's an understatement. He's just about the thickest person you've ever seen on television, but we love laughing at thick people. We laughed at Jade Goody. We laugh at Helen Flanagan. We laugh at Joey Essex. The trouble is, he's a simpleton. He can't help it. And, uh, he didn't know anything about music the other day. Had no idea at all. I mean, it was, it was almost embarrassing. You know, he really didn't know anything. And now, apparently, as he's got a, a series of singles out, um... Joey Essex's Essex Anthems. It's just, it's a compilation. It's a pile of rubbish. It really is a pile of rubbish. Just another way of flogging together a load of tracks that you've heard about three million times before. But now Kirk Norcross. There's a delusion, if ever there was one. Uh, is planning on revealing his debut single. He has recorded, apparently, Ain't No Sunshine. Lovely idea, but uh, unfortunately nobody's remotely interested in Kirk Norcross, who still pops up on The Only Way's Essex. And most of them look so ancient and haggard now. I mean, they can't find anybody young. And, and nobody, I mean, the language, this, I think it's Fran, I might be wrong, actually, I'm, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, don't, don't, don't take it as gospel, but she's the one who has slept with her boyfriend and then slept with Frank Major or something, he's a worry, isn't he? Dear God, he looks as old as the hills, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's no good putting somebody in a suit because they still look like a lowlife, and he looks like a lowlife, as indeed do most of them, and they try and sort of tart them all up. But this, this girl's in a restaurant, and then she, she uses the F word in a restaurant. I mean, I would have turned around. I mean, quite clearly, all the other people in the restaurant are all actors and extras that they put in there, because otherwise, you know, I'm sorry, we're having dinner. What do you mean there's a camera crew in here? Get out! And then she used the F word, and I would have stood up and gone, Oi! Potty mouth, Out! Out. We don't want to hear this kind of stuff. You're in a nice. It's like sitting in the Savoy and somebody swears. I'd have them removed immediately. Wouldn't have to put up with that kind of thing. There's a picture of Louis Tomlinson and uh, with an overzealous fan. She's a, a rather unattractive fat bird who wants to take a picture of you. She went, oh, it's Louis Tomlinson. And so she rushes over. He, of course, kind of looked the other way and looked deeply embarrassed, as indeed you would when people rush over. Gary Barlow tried to get Robbie Williams back. For good. And Robbie Williams went, no, no, can't be bothered. So, uh, so he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't want to upset Gary. Because Gary's like hot property. Because apparently the Queen sings Gary Barlow's songs. No, she doesn't. And that was a good story at the time. But quite funny. Quite funny. Um, and then, what was the thing we did the other... Oh, that's right. We did the thing the other day where, where Matthew Wright, on his little Channel 5 programme, was uh, laying claim to the fact that he'd managed to stop Paddy Power... Uh, with this tacky advert betting on the Oscar Pistorius trial. And he said it was, you know, due to... Uh, there was nothing to do with him at all. Absolutely nothing. 
you know, the, the audience on that programme is so minuscule. And it was an internet campaign that started long before he'd actually mentioned it. Nothing to do with him at all. But never let it spoil a good story. People love to jump onto that bandwagon, don't they? As I was only saying to Princess Diana when she used to phone me up on, uh, on LBC, I said, you know, some people will actually use anybody in the royal family to try and get more audience. Uh, so, dead celebrities. Are they still making money? They are. You remember that great quote when Elvis Presley died and an RCA spokesman said, good career move. Because up until that point, Elvis Presley was flat broke. His father, Vernon, had spent it all. He'd been turned over like a kipper. They were about to buy an aeroplane in this country, and it all went pear-shaped. Uh, anyway, uh, fortune estimated at uh, about a billion, Elvis Presley. About a billion. Royalties licensing deals raised £35 million last year. £35 million for a dead Elvis. There is still interest in Elvis Presley. Uh, for Michael Jackson... He's got about 700 million. Again, another celebrity who died broke, owing a fortune. Now, when you actually curb their spending because they die, and it was a tragedy for all... I mean, I remember all the fans sitting outside HMV up here and graffitiising Trafalgar Square. Why that would make any difference to Michael Jackson, I don't know. But album sales and imaging rights added about £160 million in 2013. Uh, Kurt Cobain... Got about a hundred million pounds. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't sing any of Kurt Cobain's songs. I've got no idea what he did. I know that he was in a group, and I can't remember how he died. Kurt was the other one found hanging on the back of a door or something. Are they? Are they under strange practices? Was he? What was he? He hung himself, shot himself. Oh right, good lord. And uh, Whitney Houston made about uh, sixteen million pounds. Now she's got about sixteen million quid. Kurt Cobain about a hundred million, as I say. Uh, John Lennon. 200 million. George Harrison, 45 million. Uh, Freddie Mercury, 60 million pounds. I think he left it all to Mary, mostly to Mary. She got the house and everything else. Love to go around the house. You know, just to say it was Freddie Mercury's house, that would be, that would be quite... And he died there, of course. And the fans still regularly write all over his garden gates, just, just round the back of Earl's Court on the left-hand side. Um, Robin Gibb, about 96 million. Robert Palmer... Robert Palmer, he died uh, some years ago, last year, actually. Fortune, £8 million, and Amy Winehouse, about £1.6 million. £300,000 she brought in last year. I don't see that increasing. I really don't see... I, well, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I don't see that increasing, because otherwise it would be bigger in the year following her death. Uh, David Beckham says, I can die happy after meeting Dell and Rodney. Perhaps he thinks they're real. There's a picture of David Beckham wearing a pair of glasses, which, of course, I'm, I'm assuming... Is just worn for their appearance, because as far as I know, David Beckham doesn't need glasses, because otherwise he's been caught driving without them, in which case he's a blooming danger on the road. So I think they're just worn for their lovely effect. Like, uh, who is it? Who is that gay makeup artist that Jordan had? Gary Cockrell. <laughs> so much. And he used to wear glasses, and then Katie Price let, let, uh, let fly on one of the programmes. She said, they're not real, they've just got plain glass in them. He just wears it. He went, stop it! bit like Bobby Norris Cole, actually. Both equally ghastly. Uh, quickly, 84850, steve at uk. Apparently, the, the lady Mandy, with no arms on Essex, is a well-known psychic Mandy. Or physic. It was born around the thalidomide scandal. Well, I'm assuming it would have to be something like that. But, uh, but they, they just laughed at her. She was going, oh, right, pick out a card out of these sort of... Uh, she was doing tarot cards while massaging Gemma Collins's head. 
which the book kind of summed it up, really, didn't it? It kind of summed it up, I'm afraid. Um, Anne Reed. Well, I can read. And uh, she froze when doing a scene from Romeo and Juliet for the Queen, saying she never wants to act at Buckingham Palace ever again. <laughs> well, she imagine it's quite, uh, quite frightening, actually. I did see... I saw the interview that they did on uh, Titchmarsh the other day. Prunella Scales and Timothy West. They've got their canal journey. Pro- they're a lovely couple. They really are. But you notice that, you know, you can tell the ageing process. But he didn't mention her dementia. He was, he was quite careful not to mention it. Because I thought she came over really well. But there again, I've always loved Prunella Scales and Timothy West. And Sam West, their son, is an absolutely charming young man. Following in the family tradition of acting. They still love acting. And I think you'll find Timothy West is back in EastEnders. He's had a, a spell in EastEnders. But their Great Canal Journey is a great programme. It really, it's, a, it's one of those genuinely interesting programmes where, at their time of life, they still derive pleasure uh, for doing things together. You know, somebody was sort of saying, what, what's the secret? And, and the secret appears to be that they like each other, that they respect each other. And that's what makes them, that's what makes them very interesting to people. And I, I, just, I just absolutely love them both. I thought they came over very, very sweet. Very, very sweet. Oh, dear. Susanna Reed's had a publicity shop done where they're trying to sell her as somebody interesting, as opposed to somebody who can just about stagger through an auto queue. Uh, this is because she's going to be uh, promoted to ITV's Good Morning Britain. As I say, the bookies are taking odds on how long it's going to last. But a year seems to be the maximum, I'm afraid. And uh, she split from her boyfriend. And uh, the photographer had earlier hailed her for bringing the power to their photo shoot. What a pile of codswallop. You do read rubbish, don't you, from people. And so she then tweeted and went, uh, so the brilliant ad Chris Mann photos took some shots. This is one of them. And uh, because, you know, she's uh, if she was a lollipop, she'd lick herself to death. She cried, oh, I'm not sexy. I'm not sexy at all. No, you're right. You're dead not. You're dead not. But uh, a BBC job saw her making a, a round trip to Salford in Greater Manchester. And so now she's going to be sitting there boring the pants off everybody. I think you'll suddenly realise that nothing will be coming out of this. I've just got a feeling. Just got a feeling. Poor, poor family in the paper today. They've actually had to leg it from their home after hundreds of the world's deadliest spiders emerged from a bunch of bananas. Good Lord. Uh, Jamie and Crystal Roberts, Crystal Roberts, uh, bought these uh, bananas and then found the Brazilian wandering spiders. So called because they wander and they wandered out of their bananas. And so now they've got uh, loads of them. When they're fully grown, they can, they can be quite large. And see, I don't like spiders, but I've got a, I've got a, a machine a machine to actually suck up spiders. You could probably do exactly the same with, with the vacuum cleaner. I don't think it would be that, that difficult to do it. Some people, I used to spray them with hairspray and watch spiders, you know, gradually slowing down until they were sort of frozen in time. I'd use the extra hold harmony. And, uh, Daddy, because I, I couldn't bear big spiders. And for some reason, I used to have a house. I don't know why, because I haven't seen any in my, my current place at all. But I used to get lots and lots of spiders. And I'd be sitting there watching the television. I had a lovely green twist carpet, twist pile. And you'd see, us out the corner of your eye, you'd see this spider, and it would run. And then I'm sure it used to sense me seeing it, and it would, it would stop. And that's when I would get the hairspray out. And I said, because I can't bear spiders. I've got this dread fear, you know, like people say, of actually climbing into bed and then one of them sort of climbs inside your ear and then lays eggs. Go, oh, no, I don't like that. It makes me feel quite queasy, actually. Quite queasy. Uh, coming up, the words that leave more of the country tongue-tied. But now, LBC News Time. it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Zebby, it's 27 minutes to five. It's nice to have your company this morning. I trust you are well. I noticed in the papers today the Pope could accept gays. And this is, they say, because Pope Francis may one day give Vatican support to gay civil unions. Cardinal Timothy Dolan says the pontiff wants church leaders to look into it and see the reasons that have driven gay couples. He claimed the Pope said it was important not to quickly condemn them. Exactly, because most of them are working within the Catholic Church. How many priests did they manage to get rid of last time round? Was it 2,000 priests were defrocked for paedophilia, interfering with people, and the church just cover it up? You know, it's about time they've dragged themselves into the real world. Drag being the operative word, I suspect. They always used to describe Vatican City as a veritable fairyland. I mean, the things that went on there, I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. Why Why the Catholic Church closed its eyes and ears to the goings-on? I couldn't believe it. I think it was something like 2,000 priests were kicked out. Uh, they don't do anything. They, they, they never get prosecuted. They just kick them out. Or in the Catholic Church, going back years, they move them to other dioceses. So they carried on the abuse. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Uh, on Friday, in our gadget competition, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we were offering a fantastic touchscreen laptop, and it was Margaret Wood from Wimbledon who was the lucky recipient. She knew that Celine Dion sang My Heart Will Go On. Was that the one that goes, Near, far, wherever you are? Yep. So well done, Margaret. And you've got a touchscreen laptop, which uh, hopefully you should have received by now. If not, it'll certainly be at some point this week. So the LBC Gadget giveaway for today. Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. Today, I'm giving away an Asus laptop. Full of all the features that you would expect. It comes preloaded with Windows 8. Great machine, stylish and durable for home or the office. Could be yours at 6.30 this morning. One lucky listener will win the Asus X551CA laptop today. Provided you know the answer to this question. In which TV programme would you hear the catchphrase, I have a cunning plan? In which TV programme, this is either one you know or you don't know, in which TV programme would you hear the catchphrase, I have a cunning plan? To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. So, once you've got the answer, you text gadget, then you put the answer down, and then you send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So that's what you're playing for, the Asus X551CA laptop. Very nice. Very, very nice. I like the idea of that. I think you, I think you go for laptops because you suddenly realise that they're so useful. You can sit on the train and do things and you can... It's just, it's just like having an extension of home, isn't it, with you? You can watch films and send texts and emails, stuff like that. Very nice. Play your music. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, 25 minutes to 5. 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. That gets you uh, instant access and it means that we weave everything in all the programme. It's all horse racing in the papers there. Everybody offers you free bets. Have you noticed? Every single company now, they go, free bets on this. There's obviously, wait, have we got Cheltenham coming up or something? There must be, I knew there was something. There's pages. Pages. Have you ever been to horse racing? I've been a couple of times. The LBC used to have some special evenings. We had Sandown Park, we had Kempton. I mean, I mean it's the ultimate race, I suppose. This is 1964, between, was it Arkell and Millhouse? Do you remember that one? Fantastic. I mean, 50 years since that. 50, not that I remember it. I'm just, you know, people talked about it later. And it was, I mean, I'm asking you next to you. I've got the faintest idea of it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Have you ever heard of Arkell? 
No, I didn't think you would have done. <laughs> You've heard of Arkwright. <laughs> yeah, completely different. Uh, I, I, I say, uh, you know, well, that wasn't Arkwright. Was that Arkwright? Uh, it was, yes. <laughs> what was the name of the other one? Granville. I, I say G -G -G Granville. It was so funny, wasn't it? So funny. So dated. Uh, 50 years since that big chase ever. When they, when they clashed in the Gold Cup, it was the ultimate race, they said. Uh, a third Gold Cup in 66 for Arkell, but no Millhouse who missed the race with back problems. Uh, Arkell won by five lengths in 64. That's what, you know, that's why. 65, Arkell landed his second Gold Cup. It's amazing, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, horses became celebrities in those days. They probably still are now. It's just that you don't, uh, you don't hear of them half the time, do you? Right, let's, uh, let's get down to more of your texts and emails this morning. And, uh... I have, um, says Ang uh, Angela, a fear of going to the loo in the early hours or night and a rodent or snake surfacing mid-visit. Uh, yes. Because, you know, if you live in basement flats, there is a very good chance that rats can come up because the only water in your toilet is in the U-bend. There isn't any more water in the system. It's just that little bit at the bottom of the bowl, and that's it. It doesn't go all the way down the pipe. The water that's going to flush your toilet is sitting in the system, behind the wall or something like that. So the only... So, in fact, it, it, it's quite common in London, especially Earl's Court, I believe, for rats to get into the system and come up the sewage outlet pipes and emerge in people's bathrooms. I mean, not obviously you live on the top floor. You can get away from it. And, in fact, there have been cases of uh, somebody lifting up the... I always say to somebody, if you live in a basement flat, in a tenement or something like that, in a, in a, in a house that's converted, leave the seat down. Because that way it's not going to get out. The rat's going to get there, have to go back down again. But there was a case where we lifted up the seat and there was a snake curled up in the bottom of the bowl with its head just above the water. You can imagine, can't you? If you're in the middle of the night and you never looked. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. I do not want to think about it. And uh, it says here, the, uh, she says that the plane baffles me. Well, it's baffling me as well at the moment. And everybody, it's certainly baffling the Malaysians. As somebody said to me, you know, if your car gets nicked, Steve, they can find it within a matter of minutes because it's got a tracker built into it. And you activate the tracker when the when the, it's hidden somewhere within the engine, when the car gets stolen, which, you know, it's going to take something, but it, it's got a tracker. Lots of people have them. For some reason, they can't find anything on this plane. And there's something like 80 ships and boats out there. This is the might of Malaysia. They cannot find a plane that's gone down. They're not sure if the oil slick that they found was anything to do with it. Um, they don't think it was terrorism. Because nobody's claimed responsibility. They can't find anything at all. And now they say there's an Iranian man who bought plane tickets for the two men who used stolen passports to board the flight. But there's no evidence that they had anything with them. So how it works, I mean, they can't find bits or anything. Even the Chinese have now started leaning on Malaysia a little bit to say, listen, you really need to pull your finger out on this one. Where is it? Where it can't be that complicated, but it quite clearly is. They just, they just don't know. I mean, there are links to this, uh, to this flight from Tehran. Uh, they say it could be another Lockerbie. They know the last, the last sighting or the last time they heard anything. Because when you think about it, this, this plane is up in the sky. Surely somebody, if it blew up, somebody somewhere in the world would be going, wait a minute, I've just seen this huge plane blowing up and they would have reported it. Nobody's done anything like that at all. I mean, even Warren, who's been flying for 20 years, he said it's baffling. And if he says it's baffling, it means that everybody else is thinking it's baffling. I imagined, I know this sounds really strange, but I thought it's like a James Bond thing. You know, the plane lands on the water, there's all these passengers on there, and then it slowly sinks down, and then the wings fold up, and then it becomes a submarine. 
or as somebody pointed out yesterday on the programme, say it's an alien abduction. Because it's that baffling that it's that peculiar that they can't find anything. The black box should be transmitting. It should be transmitting. Why are they not picking up where, where the black box flight recorder is? It doesn't matter whether it's under the ocean. It should still be transmitting. That's the whole idea of them. They're there for every emergency. You know, there should be the last reported sighting or the last reported message that came back from the plane, and then they should work out from there where it's gone to. It can't be that difficult. It really can't. I mean, and yet it is, I'm afraid. It is. They absolutely have no idea. I mean, you know, even if it explodes, says Warren, it could still be tracked. But also, people would see it. You know, you would see, I mean, if, you know, if a plane exploded, you know, up in the sky, we all look up, when you hear a plane going, you always look up, don't you, and marvel at how brilliant it is and how it stays up there. And if it actually then goes bang, you know, you're going to be noticing this. But apparently, not, I mean, it's, it, it is almost as if a spaceship has come down, opened up underneath, like Independence Day, taken the ship up inside, and they're all been transported to another planet. I mean, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I can't even guess at what's happened to it. I can't even say that it has definitely come down. I mean, is it a case of they've turned off everything and this plane has landed somewhere in a jungle or whatever it's been hijacked? I mean, I don't know. They don't know either. So we're all guessing in the dark. It could have been hijacked. And like you've seen before on, on the television, people have sort of um, gone there. The plane has landed and then they actually cover over the plane with, uh, you know, branches and trees so nobody sees it. You know, they drag a huge tarpaulin over it. I don't know. I really don't know. I just find it strange that one minute it's up there and the next minute all trace of it is gone. Like the Bermuda Triangle. I didn't see Michael McIntyre's chat show last night. I would have thought, for somebody who's being paid... What was he being paid for it? £80,000 a show. £80,000 a show. Eighty. I mean, I can't believe that's how much money it gets paid. You know, and, and the, best gets that they, the best guests that they get... Lily Allen, uh, Terry... Ah, touch the old leg, it's the old Wogan. Terry Wogan and Lord Sugar. It's a very good guest, but, you know... For 80 grand a show, I'm expecting something a bit more. I'm expecting some Hollywood A-lister to be flown over. I'm expecting some major celebrity. You know, they get them all on on all the other chat shows. Why not Michael McIntyre? Why not Michael McIntyre? The best he can get is Lily. Nothing back with Lily Allen. Nothing back with Terry Wogan. Nothing back with Lord Sugar. But I'm just expecting a bit more for 80 grand a show, I'm afraid. Uh, there are times, says Warren, when the ground contact the plane to say something is wrong with it before the pilots even know. Yes, I mean, uh, nothing from the, nothing from the, the plane at all. I mean, they are, as somebody said the other day on the television, and Warren's just said it, planes are so sophisticated now, they are monitored. It's like monitoring a spacecraft when they, when they set off from Cape Canaveral. There are hundreds of people, they monitor it, they know every single thing. If it starts to overheat, they can contact them. So, in other words, the ground can contact this plane and go, listen, something's going wrong, one of your engines is not firing properly, and the pilot will then go, OK, we'll have a check on that, OK, now it's firing, OK. They know before anybody else knows. That's why it's so bizarre. The flight that has disappeared. The flight that has just vanished into thin air. Unless it's landed on the sea and it's sunk and it's gone down so far. I mean, is this plane sitting on... I don't know. If if this plane lands on the... Th perhaps there was a mistake. But normally, if there's a mistake and the pilot says, I've got to bring it down, then they would know. Or if the pilot was sending out a mayday, all they've got to do is flick a switch. 
Don't you go, mayday, 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 this is flight MH370, you know, we've been hijacked or whatever. Because they, they would tell you these things. They always do. And that's why it becomes even more bizarre that a plane vanishes in thin air and nobody knows where it's gone to. Nobody knows where it is at the moment. I mean, is it sitting in a jungle with all the passengers still on board? Have they all been executed? If, if so, for what reason? Because nobody's come forward to say anything. Is it sitting at the bottom of the ocean and they're all still alive, sitting in there, hoping they're going to be found? And if so, why can't they send out the mayday signal? So it's a switch, they, you know... Unless all of a sudden the plane shuts down completely, in which case it then sends a signal back to base. They know where they are. That's what satellite is. It tracks things. So if my car goes missing, the police can find it immediately. You know, the police will know if it's hidden in a garage somewhere. They can just track it. Why the hell they can't track this plane? I've got no idea. Seat cushions act as buoyancy rafts. Uh, They don't sink. Yeah, I mean, there should be 300 seats. So it, it would float on the surface. That's what happens. I've seen planes that land on water, and they're, they're damaged, in which case then they sink because they fill with water. But they just sit on the surface. And I've seen them opening the door, and then people get out into the life rafts. And you think, where is it? You don't really believe there's something from outer space, do we? I'd like to think that there was something there. Something a bit sophisticated, going, yeah, we've, we've caught this thing. We don't know what it is. It's got things inside it. No idea. But the the pilot would normally send something out. But in this particular case, uh, not happening. Coming up, the Twitter row that Argos won. This is LBC. It's 4.45. Steve Allen on LBC. 12 minutes to... The more I think about this plane, the more bizarre it is. Because the weather conditions, perfect. And apparently, even if there is a full electrical failure, if it all collapses, there's a manual backup. You know, it just, as, as all the experts have said, and I can only go by what they say, because I don't know, they say that planes are so sophisticated nowadays, but here's one that's vanished. If it blew up midair, if the pilot did a mayday, and then all of a sudden there was silence, that would be fine. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing to indicate from the pilots that anything was wrong. Nothing to indicate whether it's landed somewhere and been taken over. Somebody just wants to own a plane. I don't know. You've got all 300 passengers on board this thing, 280-something. And two people who've got fake passports. But, I mean, that doesn't mean anything at all. That just might mean there's people with fake passports on there. I could understand it if, if, if you could find something. They say they think they found an oil slick. But, I mean, that could be from anything, couldn't it? Uh, Jenny says, the poor people waiting for news on their families. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's the worst thing, isn't it? You don't know. I always used to feel sorry. There's a lady in Carshalton. Her son went missing many, many years ago at the age of 14. And they never found a body. They never found anything. He vanished off the face of the earth. He vanished off the face of the earth. And she doesn't know where he is. You know, now I think he would be something like 23, 24. And so she keeps his, his bedroom as it, as it was. But she has no idea where, where he went to. He just went out to go to the shops and he vanished off the face of the earth. You know, you can understand it. You know, families want... Want closure. They want to find a body. They want to find um, something that means they can then put that side of their life to rest. But in the case of him vanishing, it's the same as the uh, the plane. Uh, the oil slick was tested. It was from a boat. Oh, interesting. There is a turbine fan that drops down to provide electricity if the plane power fails. See, it makes it even more bizarre, doesn't it, Warren? It's odd. 
84850, steve at If anybody watched the Michael McIntyre chat show, do let me know. I didn't see it, because quite clearly at 10.30 at night it was way, way, way too late for me. But I do have a gadget competition. And today it's your opportunity to win the Asus X551CA laptop. It's got uh, Windows 8 loaded. It's stylish. It's a great machine. You can keep it for yourself. I would keep it. I would keep it. I'd be the selfish one. I'm keeping it. But you can give it away as a present. You can do whatever you like with it. Uh, one lucky person will win it. But you need to know the answer to this question. And it's either a question that you know the answer to, or you haven't got the faintest idea. In which TV programme would you hear the catchphrase, I have a cunning plan? In which TV programme would you hear that? I have a cunning plan. Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850. Before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Go for it. It's a very, very nice, very, very nice thing. Uh, Mike says radar doesn't work over water. The plane was over water. I don't think that's an excuse at all. Why doesn't radar work over water? I mean, it's got a black box flight recorder on board. That just sends out a pulse. That just sends out a pulse. Otherwise, every time something goes down over water, you never find anything at all. Uh, Another one here. Uh, Blue says, you are so adorable. I thought about that sci-fi scenario today and chuckled. Plane beamed up into spaceship or changing into a submarine. It's probably out in the jungle or the vast empty sea. Very sad to hear the relatives. Yes, it is absolutely tragic because they don't know, do they? They don't know. it's, It's the not knowing which is the worst bit. But the more I think about it being taken up inside a spaceship or the more it goes under the ocean like, like something off a James Bond film, the more feasible it seems to become. 84850. Lynn says, even though I live in a top-floor maisonette, your report on rats in the toilet has scared me. So I poured a bottle of bleach down the loo. I'm hoping the smell puts them off. Listen, they live in sewers. They're not put off by anything, rats. <laughs> they're, they're very self-survival and survival methods come into force. I mean, if they, could, if they wander about the sewers of London, that nothing's going to put them off at all. 84850, steve at uk. I'm not sure about this next story. I'm not sure whether or not I'd, I feel immensely sorry for him. I just think he's a crook. This is Philip Bruff. Um, he found his elderly mum had died. In bed. Her name was Louise. She was 90. And so he thought he would be evicted from the council flat. So he put her in the freezer. He put her in the freezer. He had an upright freezer and uh, she was still in her night clothes. He then claimed £5,390 over six months for her pension and benefits he got as a carer. I mean, the prosecutor said he was aware he would not be able to remain in the flat and panicked. Um... Mrs Bruff was a dementia patient. Uh, The judge said that because he prevented burial and fraud, his behaviour was inexcusable. But all he got was an eight-month suspended sentence. The law, ladies and gentlemen, is an ass. And for that, read ass or whatever else you want to interpret it as. So he was his mum's carer. There's a picture of him leaving court. A deceitful, pathetic sort of person. And so he carried out. She's in the freezer. I mean, and, and he gets a suspended sentence. Dear me, I mean, that just... It's almost unbelievable, isn't it? Perhaps the prisons are a bit full at the moment. Um, I completely agree, says Adam, about this plane. What's the deal here? It's a mystery. It's like the plot of a of the TV show Lost. It is, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 it's gone on day after day after day. And a huge country like Malaysia can't find it. I just don't understand 
why they can't find it. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, there's a, a radio presenter in the paper today talking about the sexism and scandals at the BBC. She said, um, apparently, in the early days of Radio 1, it was like a carry-on film. I once opened a broom cupboard to find a boss inside with his secretary. Let's face it, if Jimmy Savile was operating, nothing surprises me at all at the BBC. Nothing surprises me, because that's what was going on. And I'm looking at some of the people that she was working with at the time. I'm sure there are stories there for most of them. You know, that's what happened, I should imagine. DJ, that's what the, that was the whole point of being on the radio, wasn't it, years ago? If you were a DJ and you went out to do a gig, there was a very good chance you could pull. That was the whole... That was the whole thing, wasn't it? You could go out and meet somebody in a cl- because you were the DJ and people wanted to meet the DJs. I don't know why the, the attraction. And I'm actually... Well, I'm not a DJ. I'm a radio presenter, which is completely different. Completely different. Uh, there's a picture here of uh, El Mas Loco. He's just been shot dead. He's a drugs lord. Nothing unusual in that. Uh, unfortunately, the police thought they'd killed him three years ago. And they announced the fact that they'd killed El Masloco three years ago. But blow me down, he was still living, and then they gunned him down again. This is Mexico. I don't know if you've ever been to Mexico. It's a bit of a frightening place. Uh, they have murders on a daily basis. Rival gangs on the drugs front behead people. People are found hanging in tunnels because there's billions of dollars here. Murders are carried out by all the different gangs. The Gulf, the Tijuana, La Familia, Beltran, Levo, Knights, Templar and uh, Juarez. All these are all different gangs, all looking for the same thing. They want the money from the drugs, and if somebody treads on their turf, then they go out there, and uh, even policemen have to be covered up uh, facially when they go and arrest these people so that there can be no reprisals on the police force. Uh, Andy says, an expert on Newsnight said there's only one of three reasons why a plane would vanish off the radar. One, catastrophic mechanical failure. Two, being shot out of the sky. Three, deliberate pilot sabotage. Well, you would hear it. You know, you would hear it, wouldn't you? I mean, there would be something that would come back. All they could do is flick a little switch and you could hear the... I mean, there is a recorder of the conversations in the cockpit. That's what they do. They listen to the record, and so they know what, what's going on at any one time. And so you can't just send a plane off into the air and then just leave it up there to fend for itself. Mary says, the Michael McIntyre show, two Americanized, lots of clapping, screaming from the audience at the drop of a hat. Good guess, but can't see it lasting. Well, they've booked him for six programmes, we think, at a cost of over half a million pounds. So he's getting £80,000 a programme. £80,000 a programme. You couldn't, couldn't make it up, really. Tony says, radar does work over water. They track ships. Yes, I mean, it, you could, well, that's the whole idea of radar. It doesn't make any difference whether it's over water or where it is. It's coming from, you know, up in the sky. And that's why it always works. 84850, steve at uk. Well done to canny builder Nick Willen. Nick Willen bought a public toilet. Councils often sell these off. This one overlooked the sea. He paid £100,000 for it. And uh, he spent 85000 on it, so that's 185,000. They valued it 175,000. It was quite clearly an idiot. It's, it's obviously not, not worth as much as he spent on it. It's got two ensuite bedrooms, a bathroom, kitchen, and a lounge that overlook the sandy beach. But it used to be the toilet. So now it's not. We, we have one in Twickenham that's converted into a cafe. Arthur's on the Green used to be a public toilet. And uh, other ones, people sell off and they become offices and things like that. The one in Shepherd's Bush became a snooker hall. 
It was a very famous toilet, actually. The reason it was very famous is because it was all copper pipes. All copper pipes. And in the cistern, there used to be goldfish. It was a glass cistern. And so the water would go down and the fish would go down with it and then it would fill up again and the fish went back up to the top again. So that was quite exciting. But it was all all bra. And then they just closed it down. The one at Waterloo Station closed down years ago and, used to, and then turned into Café Piaf. The emphasis being on P, I should imagine. But it had a, a French theme to it. And that was quite interesting. Because you, you, don't, you don't find toilets on station now. You have to pay something like 80p or something to go and have a wee. Nowadays, it seems an awful lot of money. Why it can't be free, I don't know. But the council sold them off. They were all sold off, and so people bought them. In his case, he said he's, he's got loads of people who want to rent it off him as like a holiday let. Needs to make some money back quick, doesn't he? Still plenty more to come on LBC, Steve Allen's early breakfast show. Coming up, talking about the three and four children who are at risk of eating too much salt every day. The top Tory MP calling for a higher tax threshold to help families. And Cheryl Cole is back on The X Factor. Whether that rescues it or not, I don't know. She didn't contribute anything before. How you can have a failed pop singer offering advice to other failures, I've got no idea. The LBC Gadget giveaway. Today it's the Asus laptop. It will be somebody's by 6.30 this morning, so make sure you have a go at that. All your texts and emails. Pardon me. 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. From LBC, this is Steve Allen, and all of that is up next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850-STEVE-ALLEN on LBC. Morning, everybody. So Cheryl Cole's going back to the X Factor. God, how dreary is that? As if, I mean, that really is front-page headlines on The Sun this morning. They're not remotely interested in the plane that's gone missing with 280 lives. They're more interested in about the dreary old chav, Cheryl Cole, the girl from Newcastle, you know. What was her slogan? I can't remember what that slogan Because you're worth it. Unfortunately, Cheryl isn't worth it. But uh, no doubt there'll be lots of whooping and cheering as she rejoins the show. Uh, they need to do something on it, whether or not she's the thing to turn round the audience. I've got no idea. There's something about her. She's intensely irritating. I just does have a new album to promote. 84850, steve at And um, a countdown clock has been showing the wrong number of days. And poor old Mr Kipling. You know, it was exceedingly good cakes. They've now decided... Why they change things? I've got no idea. Why would you want to change a brand slogan? That's the whole idea. Mind you, having said that, we've changed the brand slogan for LBC a number of times. But it's, it's not the same, is it? For, uh, for sort of people who I enjoy Mr Kipling's cakes. And I quite like Mr Kipling's cakes. But I appreciate the fact that there isn't a Mr Kipling in the same way that uh, I don't think there's a really an Aunt Bessie. I've got a sneaking feeling it's a company. I think it's probably the same company, actually. Uh, if, you're, if you're playing the lottery tonight, £92 million. £92 million. That would, be, that would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice. £92 million, please. I wouldn't mind earning £92 million for one evening. Can you imagine checking your ticket tomorrow and you go, I've just won £92 million. Because it's got to be somebody, hasn't it? But the odds are just nine in... Every time I buy a ticket, a friend of mine always goes, listen, you're not going to win it. I said, well, it could be me. They don't actually tell you that anymore, because they quite clearly have realised that it probably isn't in many, many, many cases. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. Re- weave everything in on the programme. have to weave it in. It's part of the uh, thing. Uh, somebody says, don't tell me when you were a DJ at UBN, pe- uh, people didn't throw themselves at you. No, sadly not. No, we didn't see anybody. 
we were isolated from the uh, from the actual factory. So, I, I mean, I did used to go round up north. Most friendly place, Manchester. Manchester, most friendly place. I mean, really, by by a long shot. Well, apart from the girls in Toll Cross, just outside Glasgow, they would be drinking whiskey at eight in the morning. You know, they'd say, you'd have a, have, a, have a nip. And so they, they'd put some whiskey in a cup of tea. You'd wander around the factory in a dream, in an absolute dream. I used to hate going. What I used to do, the idea was, you used to do factory visits. Because UBN was uh, uh, the United Biscuits Network, and it was piped out to the factory in Halston, Glasgow... Uh, which was told cross Liverpool, Manchester, and Osterley. And each girl on the line, and the reason they actually put the radio in is because it promoted loyalty to the company for United Biscuits, used to make for Marks and Spencers and Woolworths and loads and loads of other people. And so it became part of them, and they could fill in a little calling card, drop it in the box, it would be delivered down to the factory in London, and we would then read out, here's Mary and Jelly, uh, I think it was Mary, Tess and somebody else on Jelly Rounds number five in Liverpool. And they used to make the uh, the jellies that went on the Jaffa Cakes. And it was, it was, I used to go up there, and you'd have to go round and chat to people. But when I got to Glasgow, because they were quite strong of accent, I couldn't understand what they were saying. So you'd have to go and check in. Hi, Steve Allen here. OK, put your white coat on. Off you go around the factory. And they'd let you wander off by yourself. So I'd go to the laundry, because the girls always used to write to me from the, from the laundry. have a cup of tea with them, and then I'd wander off and go and sit in the toilet for an hour and a half and then just leave. Cause, and they'd go, did you go around the factory? Yep, because people said they didn't see you. I said, well, I mean, I was there for a few hours at least. Then I'd head back to the airport and come back to London again. I was a bit of a cheat, actually. But Manchester, we'd, uh, because I was there for the overnight, I would actually go out and, um, and have, have drinks with the, with the guys who were working on the lines there. Very social, they were. Very social. Uh, anybody worried about snakes or rodents in their toilet at night should use a pot kept down to the bed, as they did before homes had indoor toilets. Yes, I mean, it's, it's quite a big problem in London. I mean, I don't want to sort of worry people, but that's why. Don't, don't worry about the, um, the water in the toilet, because there's only a little bit of water. Police are probing a spate of crimes that had been carried out by clowns. Apparently, they've been carrying out bogus charity collections, robberies, attempted abductions and vandalism. Freedom of information figures reveal there were 19 clown-related crimes in Greater Manchester. Poor old Manchester's back on the cards again. Tony uh, Eldridge, Secretary of Clowns International, condemns the imposter, saying clowning can, uh, can do without stupid people. Yeah. Each clown's face is registered. They, they, they trademark their face so you don't have two clowns looking the same. It's good, isn't it? Do you know that? They're all trademarked. I think they, they, they keep them. And then they've got these little eggshells which have got the, uh, the face written on there. I think that's quite cool. I like that idea. Oh, sorry. I like that idea. I was going to go through Hello Magazine for you today. But to be honest with you, it's so dreary. They've got Prince Harry again who can't dress himself for toffee. But he's out with uh, Cressida. Or Cressida. And then you've got the Beckhams going out there. Why is it David Beckham always looks like an advert for Hovis? Why does he always wear the oddest outfits ever? They're a very strange couple, aren't they? A very, very strange couple. But uh, Davy Boy out there, you know, with his, with his butch tattoos and everything else. And then there's a picture of him trailing behind him. He's wearing his flat cap, some sort of Colonel Gaddafi scarf around his shoulders. And she looks like she's... I don't know where she's wandered from. But again, trademark dark glasses. And she's probably never seen daylight, actually. It's only the last time when she went on one of those promotional visits to uh, South... I think it was South Africa she went to. And so they could, um, they could send a picture back of her, you know, looking, looking lovely, cuddling a little black j- child. 
So they were saying she was doing her sort of bit. But it's it's just done for publicity for them, isn't it? That's what I see it as. Otherwise, you'd be doing it, uh, you know, completely different without, you know, don't don't publish a picture in the paper. I was going through Twickenham yesterday. I was sort of driving back through again. And there's a woman standing outside Iceland in a full burqa. You don't need to wear it over here, love. You really don't. Don't embarrass yourself. Looks ridiculous. Doesn't say in the Quran you have to wear this. You know, depending on where you come from at home, perhaps you have to wear it there, but not here. We're very free and easy. Very free and easy. It's much nicer. A former Premier League footballer has told how he turned his life around after being jailed for trying to take revenge on the star witness in a murder trial. This is ex-Fulham defender Elliot Omuzis. Omuzis? Omuzu. Something like that. He was sentenced to two and a half years after being exposed as a member of the London Fields Boys Gang. You idiot. You idiot. Honestly, how stupid. So he says, I've learnt my lesson. I sincerely hope so. Anthea Turner, oh God, has told of the torture of dealing with the breakup of her 13-year marriage. Well, they always tell you everything, don't they? I mean, who cares? She's split from businessman Grant Bovey. Businessman, you have to laugh, don't you? Nine months ago, amid claims he'd been unfaithful, they sold the Surrey home. She said, I know I'm not going to get over this in a hurry. Oh, shut up. Nobody cares. Try and keep some things private. Try and keep things private. That way, that way it sort of, it makes it better, doesn't it? Then you've at least got some dignity. But the more you keep droning on about your boring life and you and Grant Boffy, I mean, who cares? Nobody really cares about it. We just don't want to know, I'm afraid. I got that film through today, The Butler. Is it called The Butler? Got that one. I've got quite a number of uh, films to watch. I've got that one that's set in space. It's going to make me feel very dizzy. Sorry? Gravity, I've got that one to watch. I haven't, managed, I haven't managed to watch either of them at the moment. I'm too busy going for my National Geographic. Uh, animals killing other animals. It's where you get sort of all the um, the interesting animals going out there to sort of kill poor wildebeest. Oh, here's Chloe Green. Oh, dear, I hope it's not a bad story. We were hoping, actually, because she seems fairly normal, if not desperately unattractive. Um, she's the daughter of uh, Philip Green, and she was uh, at a night out... In a club, she was leaving the club, accompanied by a minder, who not only had the formidable task of looking after Chloe, but also the weighty job of carrying a handbag. Well, he might be gay, I don't know. Perhaps he might want to go out with... I mean, honestly, she's coming out of a nightclub. Nobody, nobody knows who she is. No, she appeared on Made in Chelsea, I think, all but briefly, and that was it. She was so boring, they ended up dropping her, which is, uh, which is a shame. So, uh, so there's this poor... So she comes out with a minder. I told you, didn't I, as well? The Mahiki nightclub, you know, that fur thing. It's gone from the door completely. It's not there at all now. Ellie says, I wish you hadn't mentioned the, uh, the toilet and the rat. David says, there's a toilet on Westcliff Seafront converted to a restaurant called Toulouse. Toulouse. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, pity you didn't take time to know the real Glasgow. You can watch it when the Commonwealth Games are here this year. Oh, God, no, I don't want to go back to Glasgow again in a hurry. We stayed in one hotel uh, in Glasgow city centre. I realise that since I've been there, it's been named European City of Culture, and I have been back a couple of times. And um, and we went to one hotel. I thought, strange, the bar was full of women. Absolutely full of women. Turned out it was a red-light hotel. They were all working. I had no idea. <laughs> I wondered why it was really odd. We didn't tweak to that one at all. But no, we used to go there. It's the only place taxi drivers drive black taxis, but they've got a grill between you and them, and you put the money into a tray before they're going to open the door again. They're too, too used to having people getting in and doing a runner afterwards. So there you go. So that's why. No, I, I appreciate the fact we've got a beautiful country, and I love going to as many places as possible. And, and, and that's why I like the, uh, the train journeys. 
It was interesting yesterday, we had Michael Portillo meeting a brass band, who I didn't think were the hottest brass band I've ever heard. There were a lot of people playing off-note. But uh, as I used to play in a brass band, that brought back happy memories. There's something very camp about Michael Portillo, though. He's got all these very, you know, so you get on a train and there's a man with a bright pink jacket on and a pale blue shirt. It's a little bit too camp. You know, you're expecting something a little bit butcher, perhaps more in the tweed line. But uh, he seems to uh, he seems to kind of in, enjoy it. And I'm, I'm fascinated by, by Bradshaw's. Fascinated. Uh, the LBC Gadget giveaway, I'll do that again for you in a moment. It's the Asus laptop, the Asus X551CA. And it's preloaded with Windows 8. It's a lovely, lovely product. We always do well with our laptops because people suddenly realise that, you know, it's nice to have one. I don't have a laptop to take out and about. I've got, got my little iPad but I don't have a, a laptop, and I see people use them on the trains all the time. In first class, you can plug it in and charge it up as you're going along, which I think is a brilliant idea. Absolutely brilliant idea. So uh, details of that one coming up very, very shortly. It's your chance to get your hands on it, provided you know the answer to uh, what I think is a fairly easy question. Fairly easy question. And the nephew of Pakistan cricket star and politician Imran Khan has apologised after he described a man as a fag. Oh, dear. We'll be exposing this nasty little piece of work in a moment. Coming up, it's been revealed that Kim Jong-un has been re-elected in North Korea with, surprisingly, 100% of the public vote. It was a 100% turnout, if only our own leaders were that popular. LBC News Time, it's 5.15. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 19 minutes past five. Nick Ferrari and the team, not with you this morning. The team is, but it's Ian Dale. In for Nick Ferrari. From seven, as it's revealed, more women than ever are drinking too much during pregnancy. Nick will be asking, how much is too much? Yes, I don't know. I mean, what, what is the supposed thing? You know, is it a glass of wine a day, two glasses of wine a day, bottle a day, two bottles? I don't know. What's the point of university? And how can flooding have created jobs? Ian Dale, from seven this morning on LBC. Yasmin Alibi-Brown will be looking at the papers today. She's the journalist and broadcaster, regular columnist for The Independent and The Evening Standard. So Jasmine Alibi-Brown and uh, and the whole team with you this morning. And Ian Dale. Uh, somebody says here, this is from Al, he says, I've just heard you played in a brass band. What instrument I used to play? Wait for it. A flugelhorn. A flugelhorn. It's like a mystery sound, isn't it? A flugelhorn, which is a combination between a trumpet and a cornet. And I used to lovingly take it home. I was in our school brass band and we used to play Christmas concerts and uh, for Remembrance Sunday we would play as well. I used to love it. Unfortunately, I can't read music. And so the bandmaster would put down the fingering for me. Because you've got three valves, he put down zero one. So you just have one down. Uh, two, three, one, three, two, one, or whatever it happened to be. And as long as I knew the tune, I could actually play it. <laughs> so I was, I was all right, but I enjoyed it, actually. Um, another one says here, Jan says, Michael McIntosh show is, Michael McIntosh was great. He's unique talent. I didn't doubt that at all, love. But uh, don't diss him without watching. Well, we know people who went to the recording. Apparently two and a half hours sitting there, bum-numbingly boring, I'm afraid. Uh, Will says, I see the intellectual giant that is Helen Flanagan thinks that being a vegan allows her to eat burgers. Yes, that's, that is true, actually. Uh, finish work to find Towie on, says Mark. 
It's embarrassingly awful, and the cast are so peculiar looking. And by the way, Gemma Collins is huge. I know it's that stupid little child's voice she's got. What with her and uh, the only gay in the world, Bobby Boris Cole, Bobby Norris, whatever he is, really deeply, deeply unattractive. Small wonder that none of the gay magazines have asked him at all uh, if he'd like to pose for them. Dreadful person. Uh, somebody comes from Liverpool. Poor sod, anyway. That says, I might be a failed pop star. I haven't started yet. I know, it's nice to admit the failure before you start, though. And says, but when I do, I'll have more money in the bank than you. I doubt that very much, indeed. I mean, you come from Liverpool, dear. You're starting with a handicap. And says, uh, but I'm having vocal lessons. Oh, God, give it up now. If you can't... I mean, put way, either you could sing or you can't sing. Having vocal lessons isn't going to help you sing, as you know. And uh, say, regarding Cheryl Cole, there's nothing wrong with her because she comes from a faceless council estate. No, no, she's Chief Chav. Her brother's been in, uh, in court for drugs offences. Um, oh, no, she's, she's definitely from the wrong side of the tracks. He says, I'm going to attend an audition in Manchester. Lovely. As long as you stay up there, we don't mind, dear. It's fine. You won't go any further than that. I mean, you, you only have to watch the Pop Stars The Reunion programme to realise what the word failure means. I was absolutely horrified to discover that 90% of them can't, can't hold a tune. They all think, yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. It's, it's apparently singing nowadays, which it isn't. Just going back to Imran Khan's nephew. This is um, a guy called Hassan Niazi. He's running, or he was running, for student union president at City University. He used the word in exchange with a friend. He described a man as a faggot. He claims here that uh, in his country the term was not offensive. Stupid man. What a stupid little Hassan you are. He's studying for a master's degree. My God, thick as well. He wants to be a human rights lawyer. He lost the election. Thank God for that. He told the standard it was taken totally out of context. I didn't know what the word faggot meant here. It means exactly the same as the use you had for it, mate. You know, equally disgusting. But there you go. That's Hassan Niazi. He says, I was making a joke with my friend on Twitter without hurting anyone. The guy I used it against was a Pakistan politician. He says there were lots of parodies of him portraying him in a sissy way. So, in fact, you knew exactly what it meant. So, in other words, a liar as well. God, honestly, nothing worse is the embarrassing you're linked to a, a well-known sportsman. Dear me, what an idiot. How we get these people, I've got no idea, but uh, stupid, I'm afraid, in the first degree. Uh, we'll be telling you as well, this part of the programme, why you should never keep a mobile in your bedroom. And uh, guess who's back on Twitter? Yes, good old Susanna Reid, putting a brave face on it. Well, we, 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 we've done the... Uh, I mean, you, you don't think she's remotely bothered by the split-up, do you? She was talking in one of the Sunday papers. We're still going to remain friends for the sake of the children. That's nice, because they are his, his children, so that would be fairly useful. Oh, no, no, she's fiercely ambitious. This is all acting for little Susanna. And she thinks she's going to, uh, to win you over. I think not. Also, three and four children eating too much salt. Do you add I don't add salt to food now. I know that you go to restaurants and have salt and pepper on the table. I've never used it in my life. Pepper, I'm not particularly... But I think vastly overrated pepper. Perhaps it's a northern thing, you know, with all due apologies to people in the north. It must be dreadful for you. Uh, but to have pepper on the table and salt. I've never put salt on anything. On chips, yes. But I wouldn't put it actually into food. I'm assuming it's already got enough in there. But kids are eating dangerous amounts because it's in, it's in so many things. I mean, apparently, children should have no more than between two grams and six... I'm assuming gra- G is grams, is it? Yeah, it must be. Two and six grams of salt a day, depending on their age. Two slices of wholemeal bread, there's a, there's a gram of salt in that. In bread? I didn't know there was salt. I suppose there must be, mustn't really. Um, a small packet of ready-salted crisps is only 0.35. There's more salt in 
two slices of white bread. In a bagel, there's 0.7, nearly a gram of salt in a bagel, or a bagel. In a portion of Heinz spaghetti hoops, 7.7 gram. One pork sausage, 1.1 grams of sausage meat has got salt in it. A bowl of Nestle's Golden Grahams, whatever they are, 0.48. It's bad, isn't it, really? So it's, it's a pork sausage that's got the majority. And who likes pork sausages? We do. We love pork sausages. A gram of salt. That's terrible, isn't it, really? And it's supposed to be really bad for you, so uh, shan't be eating pork sausages again. Actually, the only pork sausages that I ever eat are the ones from Marks and Spencer's, which are 90... I think they're 98% meat. Because if you buy sausages, and I did buy some a while ago, and they were Richmond sausages, because I saw them on the table. When I looked at them, they, they appeared to be pink. Like, false pink. Like, And then I looked at the quantity, the, the amount of meat in there. It was pitifully awful. It was something like 36, I can't remember exactly, but it was some, whatever it was, it certainly wasn't what you expect in a sausage. And they looked delicious on the television. So, of course, I immediately rush out there and buy a pack. Then I looked, and I thought, there's hardly any meat in them. It's all made up of mix and all sorts of strange stuff. So we gave those up. I'm, I'm looking for, for proper proper sausages, proper meat sausages. Uh, rolling back the years, it's a woman here who can make you look like Rita Hayworth. Because I think, and I might be very old-fashioned, but in those days, stars looked like stars. You know, the hair was immaculate. People took their time. Nowadays, people just go out and get it bleached. You know, if you really want to see, you know, bad hairstyling, look at the Only Wears Essex. That, that gives you a rough idea of how bad it is, I'm afraid. You know, very bad to put hair extensions in and stuff. It just ruins your hair. Ruins it. Uh, you're not on now until 11pm in West Texas. Will the UK have a time change soon, says Blue? I don't... Do, yes, we do, actually. At the end of the month, we have a time change and we'll be uh, springing forward, won't we? So we'll be, we'll be adding on an hour. This programme will be very short. I remember when I used to do the overnight programme. It was great when the clocks went forward, because you lost an hour of the show. Unfortunately, it was kind of a disadvantage when they went backwards, because you ended up with an extra hour on the show. But all the nightclubs, you think you get extra time. No, what what they did, you used to, uh, at the end of the night, when everybody got home at two, that's when the clocks go forward. They weren't going to do it during the middle of the night. Uh, DJ is one thing, entertainment industry, but that uh, politician, yes, we have all sorts of stories, Blue, in our papers today. Um, there are, they all seem to be of sexual nature. There's about four stories running in the papers today of sexual nature. And I don't, I don't really know, you know, what, what's gone wrong. I really don't know what's gone right. It, it just has definitely. Uh, similar disappear. Flight, but solved, missing. 1st of June 2009 from Rio de Janeiro to Paris, Air France, 447. This is the, the airliner that we still have no idea where it went. You know, it's it's really, really difficult to try and work out anything at all because nobody's got any information. And um, it's uh, it's really, really difficult. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is uh, from, 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 from. Oh, in conversation. That's... <laughs> Howard says, what are the chances of Charlie Girling getting the voice of the Meerkats as a guest for In Conversation? Actually, I'm seeing Charlie Girling later on today. I think she's, uh, she's recording my Russell Watson interview. I like Charlie Girling. She always sends me funny things. Always makes me laugh. Because I know she'll come in here. She's so fit. 
When I say fit, uh, fit as, and I mean, you know, she, she runs and everything else. I hate going to the cinema with her. Tomorrow, I think we might be going to the same screening. And she does power walking. I mean, I just have to say to her, slow, slow down, please. Please slow down. <laughs> uh, still to come, I will tell you how you can make yourself look like Rita Hayworth. And, uh, and what else do we have here? Oh, sc- oh I-, I will do the Mr Kipling story, because I think it's just really embarrassing and sad that they're, they're changing the slogan. Mr Kipling makes exceedingly good cakes. What on earth can they change it to? Mr Kipling doesn't exist. And they're going to be making cakes with a different slogan. And cases of scarlet fever are now at a 24-year high. Coming up, the PE teacher who saved a pupil's life during her job interview, but still didn't get the job. LBC News Time. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's still 40 ships, 30 planes, hundreds of square miles. No sign of the flight at all. Flight MH370 has disappeared. They are baffled, perturbed. Nothing. No explosions. No nothing. The oil slick from a ship. The pieces that they found... Nothing to do with this one at all. I mean, it is really, really bizarre. It really is. I mean, you know, people are having vigils out there. The family have got no idea. The Malaysian government have got no idea. People are saying, I'm convinced it's the work of terrorists. But so far, nobody's come forward. Nobody's come forward to say, uh, we did this because of. And that's normally what happens, you know, generally within a very short space of time. Somebody will come forward and claim responsibility. In this particular case... With 40, it shows how difficult it is to find it. I suppose when you look at the grand scheme of things, you wouldn't see anything at all. I told you the story. We went on a cruise once on Royal Caribbean. And at one point, we were at sea for... Well, we're at sea for most of it, because the ship doesn't kind of work on dry land. And we, uh, much as I tried, like going on a duck tour. And, uh, and, and we looked out. Two days we were at sea. We never saw another ship at all. And yet, occasionally you see something. And the reason you can't see it is because the waves. You think the sea's calm, but it's not. It's all little waves. And you can't see anything. You couldn't see a person in there at all. And that was even on the ship. I used to sit there staring at the water, thinking, is there a bird sitting... And then eventually, oh, look, there is a bird, one sitting there, a seagull or whatever it happened to be. Cormorant or something exciting. So so to find sort of a, a plane, Warren tells us it would float on the surface. So we don't think it came down on water unless it was an explosion, in which case... Where's the black box flight recorder? Why is that not transmitting? You know, if there was a fault, then there would be a blip on the radar. They would see on the blip on the radar, and then it would just disappear. It's very bizarre. I mean, it really is bizarre. It has happened before, not on a huge number of occasions, and as has been pointed out by all the experts, these planes are so sophisticated. You know, this thing flies itself. (coughs) And even if all the power failed, it's got backup. It's got emergency power. There's no reason for them not to know. I've got practically as much technology in my car, I think. Time for the LBC Gadget Giveaway. It's your chance to win the Asus X551CA laptop today. It's a lovely laptop. It's got built-in Windows 8. Great machine. Very stylish. Very durable. Home, office, anywhere. Take it, sit on a train, use it. Uh, In which TV programme, this is the question, in which TV programme would you hear the catchphrase, I have a cunning plan? I have a cunning plan. To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and then you send that to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. So, I have a cunning plan, comes from which TV programme? Text the word gadget, 
then the answer, and then send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. OK. More of your uh, texts and emails coming in now on the subject of uh, sausages. A few years ago, says Karen, Tom Parker Bowles had a slot on LBC. Yes, he used to do cooking, I remember. And we'll talk about food. He had a sausage connoisseur and said that the lower percentage of pork in a sausage means it's made up with... Yes, I don't think we'll read that, but all, it's, it's literally all sorts of bits. It's like fish fingers, isn't it? I believe that in, in cheaper fish fingers, it's all mashed up by the machine. It's like whenever you see something is made of reconstituted chicken, that literally means they have stripped every bit of flesh from the carcass of a chicken. It's, it's, it's uh, jetted off, I think, with high-powered water jets, and so they literally use every single piece of the chicken, and so it's reconstituted. And they go, you know, reshaped and reformed chicken, and you know how icky that is. You've seen it being made when we had horse meat in things, and it was being made into burgers and everything. That's where it was uh, dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. On the subject of, uh, of Monday closing, Winnie says, I took my mum shopping to Twickenham yesterday. Sadly, the farm shop and Sandy's were closed. Yes, it's very nice. Uh, the reason that Sandy's is closed, only for one day yesterday, is because Stuart went off to Welsh Wales to walk the dogs. Seems a long place to go. And, and also Laverstocks, the farm shop, isn't open on a Monday anyway. They've been closed for some time. But she says, thankfully, uh, in Cooper's, we bought two punnets of strawberries, two for three pounds. And she says, the service was excellent. A very nice man told us the price while his assistant <laughs> served us. It was me. I was that person who served Winnie the other... Well, I didn't. I just went there two for three pounds. <laughs> she says, we'll have to remember not to go to Twickenham on a Monday. No, it is true. It is true. Uh, has anybody seen the very irritating Christine Bleakley, says Nigel? No, we've never heard of her before. What does she do? Is she a, re a, a presenter of some sort? And the very irritating Alex Jones from The One Show would be better as The Lost Show in the same room together. I can't tell them apart. Uh, no, they, they, they sort of seem to fit a brand of television presenting that doesn't sit with me. I'm one of those kind of people I expect a little bit more from presenters, apart from, you know, hey, you... It's, I'm expecting just a little bit more than Smiley Smiley Carol Smiley, I'm afraid. Um, uh, another one here from Manuel. He says, uh, greetings from Portugal. Lovely. He says, and for having the courage to mention the mockery of people coming to the UK wearing the burqa. Yes, I mean, you don't, it, it, you don't need to wear it here. We don't have any laws about wearing things like that. We've always said, you know, there are lots of people. In fact, the woman standing with her, I'm assuming, came from the same country and she wasn't wearing one. So quite clearly, it's only a few people, and I get the feeling on some occasions it's worn for an effect. You don't need to wear it. It doesn't say in the Quran you have to wear this. It's ridiculous. It's, it's just absolutely demoralising for women. Full sop. You know, time, time to ban it? Well, I think so, and probably if you did a survey. You know, in, in Saudi, women apparently can't open the door without, without wearing it. I just don't understand that. Why you'd want to live in that sort of oppression? I can't imagine, but, you know, some people do. Uh, 84850, Stephen Oxford says, I was really looking forward to Gravity being a great film, but it was a bit of a letdown. He says, I hope you enjoy it, but you will only do that if you like the sound of Sandra Bullock moaning for two hours. Well, I don't know. I don't know. He says, you surprised me that you could even be bothered to watch Towie. I thought you'd be above watching something so trashy. No, Steve, I get paid for talking about it. 
I get paid for talking about it, so uh, that's why. I would, I'm sick to death of trying to explain to people. Do you write to a TV critic going, if you don't like something, why would you watch it? They get paid for doing it. I get paid for doing it. Simple as that. Uh, the black box has a signal that's a range of 150 miles. Uh, the box's batteries last 90 days. I've heard it between 30 and 90 days. And uh, one black box was found two years after a flight went down from Italy. They found the plane debris almost immediately. The black box, though, two years later. They've got to find it somewhere. I mean, unless this thing has been hijacked. Unless it's been hijacked. I mean, we just, we just don't know, do we? Tonight in America, a flight expert, says Wendy in Florida, came onto the news channel to talk about the missing plane. He said the black box only has a small radius and is only good for about 30 days before the battery runs out. Maybe Warren can confirm it. Either way, time is ticking away on this one. Time is ticking and nobody knows. Uh, Karen says, I live in Welsh Wales, Steve. Just so I tell you that. Of course you're called Karen. It's a very Welsh name, isn't it? <laughs> I, like, I like Wales, actually. I, I always laugh, actually, because my favourite group, as you know, is Only Boys Allowed, when they sang for Max Boyce and they sang for the Queen, and I just thought, I just felt, you know, it was good. It was good. I like things like that. You know, I'm quite quite big into, into community singing. I like the old community singing. Uh, the uh, other story in the paper today is of the uh, uh, the words that leave us tongue-tied. It's quite a, quite a little collection, actually, of words. Ely. Apparently, the incorrect pronunciation is Eli. I don't know why people ever say Eli. It's called Ely. Uh, 59% of people got that wrong. Keeley. Where's that? West Yorkshire. No. Some people pronounce it Keeley, but in fact it's Keithley. Even I knew that. Uh, Sherbet. Some people think it's Sherbert, but it's Sherbet. Sherbet. Etc. It's not etc. It's etc. Etc. Saint Pancras. Some people call it Saint Pancreas. It's not. It's Saint Pancras. Espresso. It's not espresso. It's espresso. Espresso. Even I've made that mistake before. I'm afraid. Uh, bruschetta. People say bruschetta. No, it's bruschetta. Bruschetta. These are, these are very common things. A lot of people don't know these. Perscription, as opposed to prescription. Prescription. And finally, Greenwich is Greenwich. Greenwich. You see, common mistakes there. But uh, Ely is the most popular mistake that people make. 59% of people got that wrong. Ely. They called it Eli. Which is something completely different. Something completely different. Really ridiculous. Really ridiculous. Um, there's a, another story here. We have a, a Labour MP criticised yesterday. He posed for a picture with his son, who had blacked up for a fancy dress party. He went as Michael Jackson. Ian Lavery smiled for the camera with Ian Jr. Nothing worse is the Ian. And here's Ian Jr. You know who was dressed as Michael Jackson in Thriller. The picture was posted on Facebook, taken down following racist comments from the 25-year-old's friends. Constituents in Northumberland said the photo was offensive and racist. The Laveries declined to comment. I'm telling you, Mr Lavery, it's racist. OK, just in case you're not bright enough to know, it's a racist picture. OK, we don't, we don't do that anymore. OK, we've kind of moved on. Quite clearly, your family has not. Coming up, the burger. So spicy. It could kill you. LBC News Time. It's quarter to six. 
Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, Tuesday. Where was the sunshine yesterday? Where was the su- I, mean, I mean, this morning, freezing cold. I'll give you the weather rundown in a second, but absolutely freezing cold. I came out and I thought, wait a minute, it's supposed to be sunny. I always think that if it's, uh, if it's uh, a, a misty start to the day, then gradually when that clears, we end up with some nice sunshine in London. I've been mortally disappointed. Yesterday I was sort of waiting for the sunshine. I was, I was lying there, covered myself in ombre solaire, lying on the patio, and, and sort of think, well, where'd, and nothing appeared. Nothing, no, no sunshine, no nothing. So it better appear today. Otherwise, I should be having a word with the uh, with the weather department. So let's check what they're saying today. Here we go. A dull and overcast morning. OK, well, that, that's OK. I don't mind dull and overcast this morning. This afternoon, sunny spells developing as the cloud eventually breaks. The high, 12 degrees, currently 5, so it's cold. Tonight, cloud melting away. I love that. Melting away cloud, leaving clear skies and light winds. And tomorrow, sunny conditions. Can't beat a good sunny condition, can you? After the early fog and cloud clearing, light... Uh, winds feeling warm, the high 15 degrees. Thursday, Friday, dry with sunny spells once the overnight fog has cleared. And Saturday, breezy, dry and cloudy. Breezy, dry and... Oh, I can just about cope with breezy, dry and cloudy, I think. Not too, uh, not too many problems there. Uh, quickly, I'll, I'll run through just after news at six this morning, the front pages of the paper so you know exactly what's going on in the world. Uh, the Metro for today... An accountant has uh, gone on... Tra- it, it's generally court cases, isn't it? It is gem- generally court cases. There's a, a girl in the paper today. Her name is Emily Hartridge. And she's a web jockey. Now, I have to express... Uh, you know, the idea... I mean, I have no idea what a web jockey is. Is that... Is, that, is, 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 is a web jockey somebody who plays music on the, in the internet? Oh, right. OK, well, I, I do know what it is, actually. And so, lovely. Right, we found the story about why you should never keep your mobile in your bedroom. It's fairly lengthy, so you'll have to, you'll have to go with me in a moment. Uh, so, wait a minute, just find page 31 of this stupid thing, and I shall tell you exactly what it is. Emily Hartridge, she's a YouTube presenter. I've never heard of her. I've got... This isn't the one that we mentioned before, is it? Who is, no, this is somebody else here. And... Um, she is reliving her interview with Russell Brand, which ended up with a comedian throwing cake at her, then lifting it, lifting, licking it off her elbow. It's a bit tacky and low rent, I'm afraid. But um, the YouTube shows came about when she was struggling to find TV work. And what she, she's trying to make a name for herself by coming up with stupid things. And so, in the end, she says she gets called names online every day. I don't, I don't quite understand why you continue doing this. Um... And she says here, uh, why women love vampires. They eat blood, which is perfect for me because I can't cook. For lunch, they had pasta, ketchup and grated cheese. This is obviously the sort of low rent kind of thing she talks about on her programme. And then um, people troll her. This is when, when people abuse her. I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing new at all. But she's, she's talking about being a web jockey. The fact she's sort of pictured in the paper hardly wearing anything doesn't really ingratiate her to anybody at all, so I can't express any surprise, I'm afraid. Uh, why you should never keep your mobile in the bedroom. Eight out of ten of us keep our mobile phones on overnight, according to Ofcom, and around half use the phone as an alarm clock. Really? How odd. I've never used it as an alarm clock. But the experts are concerned about the effect it's having, at the very least... It makes us hypervigilant, so our sleep is more likely to be disturbed. We end up not getting enough of the restorative sleep that we need, but it might also trigger insomnia and other sleeping problems. So, in other words, if you keep 
because there are controversial views on this, I and mean, you might have found this or not. If you keep your mobile in the bedroom, uh, there are suggestions it could cause dizziness and headaches. The main problem with mobile phones in the bedroom is light, particularly the kind produced by the bright, high-quality screen on modern phones. So that's why you shouldn't keep them in the bedroom. If you're one of those people who does keep your phone in the bedroom and you are having dizziness and you're not sleeping, maybe you should try moving the phone to somewhere else. Move it to the sitting room. Or, you know, keep it... I always leave mine charging in the sitting room so I don't have, you know, the phone anywhere near me. Not that I'm worried about anything happening. I'm not remotely bothered about things like that. I'm not one of these people who walks along thinking I'm going to get cancer from my mobile phone. It admits practically zero, I'm afraid. So I'm not not too worried about things like that. There is the story in the Express today of uh, Prunella. And uh, she has talked about her battle against dementia. Although, I I don't remember her saying... She refused to be a victim of the condition and hoped to die on stage, uh, preferably during the eighth curtain call. So she says, I have to start learning my lines a lot earlier than I used to. We live in a tall, thin building and I seem to spend all day running up and down the stairs looking for my spectacles. I spend all day also looking for my spectacles. Uh, If you want to fight off dementia, and there are... Lots of pieces of advice in the paper from all the experts. Eat well in midlife. I don't know what they think eating well is. I'm assuming vegetables, fruits, fish, unsaturated fats. But, I mean, how many of you can honestly put your hand up and say you are aware of what unsaturated fat is? Probably you're not until they tell you on the television uh, exactly what it is. Uh, Please repeat the gadget uh, details. We've just done that a moment ago. Uh, Sainsbury's do these porky whites which is good. Somebody says, every time you mention Cheryl Cole, I do a tick on a piece of paper. You really must get out more. And uh, another one here, which says, um, uh, this is, uh, oh, the the one who said he was a singer in Liverpool turns out not to be a singer. He turns out to be as as, uh, cracked as we thought he was in the first place. Uh, Steve, I bought a mince and make my own sausages, which is great. Bill says, my wife and I were at our local supermarket and a group of people were collecting for a children with charity. And uh, one of the young girls said to a couple who were walking past and not putting money, what's up with you? Don't you care about kids' cancer? Surely that's begging. Yes, they're not allowed to beg. That's illegal. You can report that. In fact, you should generally report it to the supermarket and say, I've just been accosted by these people because they have to ask permission from the supermarkets. Sue Ann says it's your birthday soon. Is it? Lord, honestly, the things people remind me of nowadays. Um, They found a monk... Doesn't seem so interesting, does it? They found a monk. But this is the 800-year-old remains of a monk who've been found up a cliff. Beachwalker Mandy Ewington sent a picture to archaeologist James, uh, Carl James Langford, who said, I thought she was mistaken, but I went down to see for myself. It's amazing. You can see a grave that's been erected, eroded, I beg your pardon, into the sea. You can see the two femurs. Mr Langford said the area in South Wales called Monknash was named after the Welsh saint, uh, who was home, and it was also home to Cistercian monks, 1129. So storms caused part of the cliff to collapse, exposing the bones, but they're too much of a tricky position for archaeologist excavation to take place. I love that. Is it Mexico where they do their Day of the Dead, where they practically dig people up again, and they go to the cemetery to celebrate their life? Once I've gone, I'm, I'm being cremated. I don't want to this sort of digging people up again. That sounds absolutely ghastly, doesn't it? But uh, we, as I say, we, we have a different attitude to uh, to other people, I'm afraid, around the world. We're not very good at dealing with these sort of things at all. If you want to cheer yourself up today, what do you think cheers you up? I mean, apart from listening to LBC, what is, what is the main thing that cheers you up? 
Believe it or not, it's chatting with your neighbour. That cheers you up nowadays. So if you talk to your neighbour, um, it, it kind of bucks you up. I don't know why. I talk to my neighbours all the time. Can't get rid of some of them off the telephone. Uh, others said passing for a chat brightens somebody's day and can be a lifeline for the lonely. So if in doubt, talk to your neighbours. A lot of people don't talk to their neighbours, I'm afraid. I do. No trouble talking about it. Sometimes it's just a cursory nod. You know, morning or hello. Something like that. You know, you don't really want a long conversation, do you? Um, uh, another one here. Uh, oh, on the subject, says Valerie, uh, it's uh, bruschetta. There's no shirt at all. Regards from an Italian. Oh, see, si, see, si, there you go. Okay, there you go. So now it's brus, bruschetta. It's so complicated, isn't it? Mind you, years ago, we didn't have to worry about these sort of things. Now you have to worry about it. Uh, I can well understand how annoying it can be when people mispronounce place names. Even my estate agent occasionally forgets that Streatham is London is actually pronounced St. Retham upon Wandle. I know, we all do that, don't we? Honestly, says Eamon, some people... Yes, it's like... <laughs> what was that? Spadulike for spudulike. Spadulike. And Clapham is Clam. That's what people say when they live there. No, they don't. No, they don't. But it is interesting. Um, I wonder, read the lost flight. It would be interesting to know, if you rang some of the mobile phones of the passengers and crew, would they ring if they hadn't been diverted to voicemail prior to departure? Wouldn't that indicate it wasn't underwater? Well, you would have thought that the Malaysian government would have known about this, wouldn't you? Would you not have thought that they would have... They think of everything. If there's something like 40 ships out there looking for wreckage and they can't find it, would you not think that there was something the matter? I know I'd... I just... I can't understand it. It's one of life's unexplained mysteries. And, of course, the longer it goes on, the more difficult it becomes to actually find anything. And it's going to get to that uh, stage where they're going to probably just call off the search. Which is, uh, which is not very good. Uh, another one here. This is, oh, a new biography of ABBA. Isn't it funny how ABBA just keep resurfacing every so often? And this one reveals previously unpublished pictures from early photo shoots to images of the global superstars that they became. I loved ABBA. They were never, I mean, the blokes were never seen as attractive, were they? They just, uh, they just didn't look attractive at all. What's the matter? What's the matter with it? Oh, right. Look at the t- oh, God, I've just realised, actually. It's, uh, it's coming up now. The, uh, the news at six o'clock on LBC. Still plenty more to come on the early breakfast show. I'll take you through the healthy diet. that could help you meet, beat dementia. Parents are being urged to read bedtime stories on a tablet. The top Tory MP calling for a higher tax threshold to help families. Cheryl Cole back on the X Factor. The LBC gadget giveaway. And uh, today it's the fantastic laptop full of all the features you would expect. And it can be yours at 6.30 this morning. But you need to know the answer to a fairly cunning question. All of that the other side of the news. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. And all of that is coming up next. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to Tuesday morning. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Only till 6.30. Do you know, 25 years the web has been around. 25 years. And uh, we'll explore how the internet invention of a British genius has transformed our 
daily lives because we all rely on it. It's like the mobile phone. The mobile phone has taken over everybody's life. We don't have diaries. We have it on the mobile phone. The big question, where's the plane gone? Nobody seems to know. The disabled man thrown out of the bingo hall and Mr Kipling does make exceedingly good cakes, but they've decided to change the branding after all this time and just when I got used to saying it. And, of course, our gadget competition. That's uh, your chance to win a fantastic Asus X551CA laptop by answering a correct... A correct? Good grief, where did that come from? A correct question. Now developed a speech impediment. It's not very good at this time of the morning. Plus the farmer's daughter fighting for a share of a £7 million fortune. And um, how much money? You know when you put money into one of these parking machines... And it doesn't give you exactly what you should get, because these machines don't give change. Uh, I have parking on my telephone. If I come into London with a car, I can park on my telephone, because my card is registered, and they've got the car number and all the details, so that's fairly all right. I'm, I don't tend to use coins in a machine, but a lot of councils have car parks, and they take coins. When we park in Regent's Park on a Sunday, we put coins in the machine. You can, in fact, put a credit card in there, but we've actually learnt that we can park less than a minute away, and we don't have to pay anything at all. It's free. You park out on the outer road. If you want to be on the inner road in Regent's Park, you pay. And they've got a very clever system there. And the system is, you know, sometimes, well, I mean, I wouldn't personally be party to this, but you've done your shopping, you come back, and you've still got an hour on your ticket. You see somebody putting money in a ticket machine, and you say to them, I've got an hour left if you'd like it. I mean, I personally wouldn't do this. This is defrauding the council. I would never, ever say that I did... <coughs> Sunday. I uh, would never, ever say it to people. And, uh, and I, had, I had an hour left on the ticket. And, and I thought I, I would be, it, it would be an act of kindness. And I thought there's no point in wasting it. It doesn't really make any difference because my car wasn't still going to be there. Another car would be going in to my place. So I don't see it. I know it's, it, I know it's probably wrong. But as far as I'm concerned, if one car's coming out and you've got time left on the ticket, why not give it to another car? They, they, they've still got the money and there's still one car parked in there. It doesn't, doesn't seem to make it... Oh, dear. doesn't seem to make any difference at all uh, about the ticket. But in Regent's Park, they've got a very clever thing. You've got to input the car number into the machine so the so the car number is on the ticket so they can see exactly whether the right car has got the right ticket it's a bit mean-spirited but for all those people who who put money into the machine and then you you don't use all the ticket up and you don't get any change back you've kind of lost it in cornwall council They've done quite well, actually. Uh, in two years, they have made £640,000 through people overpaying and not getting any change back. £640,000. It's unbelievable. In 2011-12, the authority cleared even more, £340,000 from the same no-change pay-and-display services. I mean, if these machines gave change, there would have to be a mechanism to ensure they were continually stocked with sufficient change. The, lo the logistical problems of doing that would result in higher costs. So, consequently, they've actually got an overcharge here of £307,000 due to an overvend. So, in other words, you, you put the money in, but it doesn't clock up. 
And how many times... I mean, the worst places for me, the worst places were on tube stations where years ago they used to have, I don't think they've still got them now, vending machines for a bar of chocolate. It was all... Or a box of poppets. Remember those? box of poppets or something like that. And you would put the money in just as the train was coming to... And you can't have the draw. And it was so frustrating. And you're sort of... You're torn between actually sort of standing there trying to get the drawer open because you'd put your five pence in or getting on the train. In the end, you'd get on the train, somebody else would go up to the machine, open the drawer, and, they, they, and then you'd watch them eating your poppets. Or a little bar six or something like that. So that's why I get, I get slightly annoyed and slightly peeved with councils who don't have the uh, facility to actually... That's why I always think pay by card. But there again, I try not to give my card to as uh, as many people as possible. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, you, if you come to Whitechapel, half the women wear the full burqa and all you see is a pair of eyes. He says, I think that divides us from them. How can we all integrate? Well, they don't... I mean, I've said before, people don't need to wear it. You don't need... To, as long as people dress modestly, that's fine. That's why you see people out there. Some are wearing it and some aren't wearing it. It does become a sort of a statement thing, doesn't it? It's, it's very demeaning for women. I feel quite sorry for women who, who have, to, have to wear these things because they don't need to. It's absolutely unnecessary. I saw somebody driving once. And I remember thinking then, have you, have you actually got vision all the way round? No. Uh, Les in Kenton says, I used to pronounce porter cabin, portac cabin. I used to, I'll tell you who I used to feel very sorry for. They used to, we used to see these signs all over when we were in Hong Kong. Bill Stickers will be prosecuted. And I used to feel so sorry for this poor man. I thought, everywhere you go, his name is up there. He's going to be, pro- all right, we know he's going to be prosecuted, but what for? Poor Bill Stickers. And it wasn't until much later. 37, that I suddenly realised that uh, it was, in fact, people who stuck bills up. Because you, you see them on empty shops now, and they'll, they'll wallpaper paste the whole thing. Not very good. Uh, Malcolm says, I keep my mobile by my bed, uh, with the alarm set on for 3.58, so I do not miss a second of the show. Well, that could, could only be applauded. And Kevin the Milkman says, I'm two-thirds of my way through a pack of chocolate digestives that I started at 1am. I suppose you're going to tell me they're unhealthy. No, no, I don't think so. No, I think you'll find the actual digestive bit has got all the roughage you need. And a little bit of chocolate. And it's only a little bit of chocolate. I've seen them making chocolate digestives. And believe you me, it is only a little tiny bit. And an archaeologist in Egypt has discovered new mummy. I don't know if you've heard about this one. Covered in praline chocolate and crushed nuts. They've called it... Pharaoh Rocher. It's, I think we've done it before. It's an old one, isn't it? We don't seem to know any new jokes. I'm a little bit worried that we're now recycling. At the moment, I'm listening to you on LBC on my mobile through headphones with the phone under my pillow. What to do? I don't know. Are you getting dizzy spells? Is that the, oh, the Argos Twitter story? I must do the Argos Twitter story. I shall do that very shortly for you. But, I, but we must celebrate the web. And the fact now that you... And I go into coffee shops and I see people sitting there on the internet. It has changed the world. You almost, technically, almost, you don't need the high street. You do not need to go into shop. We, we've actually got a new shop opening in Twickenham. It's, it's quite a rare occasion if it's not a coffee shop. We get a bit excited. And this is going to be Italian clothing, owned by a German... And he was asking some people the other day, you know, what sort of shop would people want? And I thought, we don't actually have a men's clothing shop. But you have to remember, in anywhere where you go, be it Islington or, you know, parts of Manchesterford, anything like that, Paul, there's, if there's a little parade of shops, the chances are it's, it's local people who are shopping there. 
the chances are, in, you're not going to get somebody driving through Twickenham going, oh, look, there's a clothing shop. Let's park up and go and buy some clothes. They're, it's for local people. And so that's why you can't afford to cheat people or rip them off. That's why we've had a lot of our shops for ages and ages. Sometimes shops open up. Sometimes little restaurants open up. And if they don't, if people don't get the right set, they won't go there again. You know, if you go to a clothing shop that opens up, you're going to go there once. If you do, if you think you've been cheated, you'll never go there ever again. And word spreads very quickly in a small minutes, mainly because the guy running it, I think his parents had bought it for him. He just he wasn't opening up. Really annoyed. Shop says we open at nine. I expect them to be open at nine. I don't really expect it to be. Do you remember I had this trouble down here with Pret a Manger one Sunday? Was it? Might have been a Sunday. And I go down there. They're having a side, and they're opening. They end up opening ten minutes late. And there's about five of us outside. And I was so angry in my sort of fake anger way. And I said to the manager, I said, if you say you open at seven o'clock in the morning, I expect you to open at seven in the morning. I expect you to respect the customers who come here. I said, I only work over in Leicester Square. I said, I'm not passing through. I said, I come here fairly regularly. And he said, you're quite right. I'm so sorry. I said, if you're going to open... Oh, God, I was on a roll. I said, if you're going to open late... I said, then at least put a sign on the door saying, due to a staff meeting, we're going to open late. He said, I wholeheartedly apologise. He said, I'm really, really sorry. And I got all my bacon rolls for free. So I bought six. And I got them all. He said, no, no charge for the, these people. And all of us got our stuff for free. And that's what I call... Every, every, every goes into every Renault van. The advanced technology developed for our multi-championship winning Formula One engines also goes into the heart of every Renault traffic van for even greater quality and reliability. Nick Ferrari, uh, not here today. Ian Dale is in for Nick from Seven. As it's revealed, more women than ever are drinking too much during pregnancy. Ian will be asking how much is too much, plus what's the point of university, and how can flooding have created jobs? Looking at the papers for Ian Dale today... Well, apart from himself, he'll be looking at them with Yasmin Alibi-Brown, the journalist and author. Ian Dale, in for Nick Ferrari for breakfast, today from 7 on LBC. Now, Argos, I promised you the Argos story. They may not be known as a trendsetter, but the catalogue chain showed it has some street cred when responding to a customer's complaint on Twitter. Immy Badman Bugti contacted the store on the social networking site to ask when it would be getting da PS4 tings... I'm just reading as it as it comes out. Referring to PlayStation 4 games consoles at his local store, adding, ain't waiting no more. He added that a sales assistant in the store in Mossside, Manchester, was rude with bare attitude. OK. Uh, rather than send a standard response, the store decided to respond in kind, tweeting, bad man Bugti, safe bad man, we're getting some more PS4 tings in... Da next week, you get me? Soz bout da attitude, probs having a bad day, yo. Which is absolutely brilliant. Both messages went viral. It's been retweeted more than 1,500 times. Hundreds of people. Even bad man Bugti seemed happy with the firm's response, replying, at Argos helpers, respect, sick guy. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, I think it's quite, and there's a picture of him. He looks slightly peculiarly, but there you go. That's not his fault. But I think that's quite nice when they respond like that. My mother used to write poetry to people. She would write to companies and, and, and sort of do it in, in poetry form. And she sent one to a hospital once, and they, they replied back in rhyming form as well. She got the job, of course, because my mother's good, good like that. Uh, Kirk says, I've just... Oh, it's not Kirk Norcross. Please tell me it's not Kirk Norcross. Not at this time of the morning. I couldn't bear it. He says, uh, just listening to your show, blooming great. 
He says, so refreshing in listening to somebody speaking the truth and being honest. I think you have to be honest. I mean, that's, that's the whole basis of LBC. There's no point in telling lies. People suss you out very quickly. And uh, Simon says, I was most disappointed that my local news agents now owns at 6.45 rather than the 6.30 it says on the door. It means I now have to make a detour to a different news agent's en route to the train station to get my morning paper. It's not good enough, is it? I mean, I get very angry. As far as I'm concerned, if you actually go into, say, somewhere like uh, McDonald's, if they say they open at 6.30, I'm expecting food to be ready. I'm not expecting them to say, oh, we haven't actually cooked anything yet. You say you open at 6.30, then you should be ready to serve at 6.30. But interestingly enough, in Leicester Square, if you know this, this part of London, if you come from, from Glasgow and Birmingham, places like you, you might not know Leicester Square, where we are, but you can Google us. You can see us in Leicester Square. But over the other side, where McDonald's was, which was open until something like four in the morning, the whole building has been cornered off now, including the Angus Steakhouse on the corner. It's all been covered over for some reason. So unless it's going to emerge as a new super hotel or something, I've got no idea. We shall find out. Uh, my mother... Oh, Mandy says, reading the autobiography of Rula Lenska and reading the part about you dressing her up in drag, only for her to pop up and surprise you. Is it true you've... Me? I'm in Rula Lenska's. Why on earth would I be in Rula Lenska's autobiography? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of not with that one at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Dee says, my mother Maureen has got through many a packet of chocolate digestives after seeing the latest advert with the kittens coming out of the packet. I love that. I, do, I, do, I love it when they use advert. What's the advert on the television with the talking cat and the, and the budgerigar in the cage where they sort of snuggle up together and they sing a song? You're all I need to get by. I heard. Just me seeing it? No, thank you. Am I facing the right way? I'm not actually sure whether I'm facing the right way this morning. Uh, and from Sean, the train driver, at Brian as well this morning at Twickenham Station, uh, it says, re-car parking, I always carry a small bag of change and always pay the correct amount. I'm not tight, but I worked out long ago it was a council-sanctioned scam. Not me, chummy. He says, great show. Thank you. Charlie Girling thinks they're building a brand new cinema. Cool. Yes, because the other one is coming down, isn't it? They're turning it into a hotel. Trust Charlie to know that. She's doing my, my recording today for Russell Watson, and I think we might be holding hands and skipping up to the cinema. Regin Essex says, Haynaught Forest has had those parking machines showing car number plates for a few years. Love your programme. We love Essex. So, And Reg, it's, I can imagine your age as well. I know exactly how old you are. Sandra in Fulham says, In Hammersmith in the Fulham, you can only pay with coins in 30-minute-an-hour units. So think of the money they must be making if everybody parks for less than half an hour. Very annoying, Sandra. Very annoying. Uh, from Daniel, he says, Morning, Steve. Did you know there are some parking machines that, if they have, does not accept 5Ps? Try putting in a 5P. Did it in Dartford. 5 pence got me over two quids with parking time. I thought it was just a myth. There you go. Uh, morning, Steve. Your programme is one of the best in the country. Well, if, if not the best, I think. If not the best. But thank you very much indeed. And says, many of us want to know the... Correct pronunciation of Gatwick. I think it'd just be Gatwick. I don't, I don't, we'd just call it the airport. So much easier that way, isn't it? It doesn't get too complicated. Uh, oh, Ian Dale has just uh, tweeted. He is uh, standing in for Nick Ferrari at 7 o'clock this morning, which means that Ian Payne is presenting Drive today. So I think we've actually sorted out the world as we now celebrate the web 25 years, and we celebrate the fact that that we use it for everything. We order it, you know, we, we do shopping on it. We do absolutely everything. And we, and we just love it. We just love it. I mean, it has, it has changed our lives. It certainly changed my life, that's a fact. So, um, 
I'm quite pleased with it. I don't have any complaints about the internet, except when you lose it. Except when it, it goes down. You've quickly got a minute to get your entries in for the LBC Gadget giveaway. The Asus X551CA laptop. Which TV programme would you hear the catchphrase, I have a cunning plan? Which TV programme? Text the word gadget, then your answer. I have a cunning plan. The answer is what? So gadget, then your answer. Send it to 84850. You've got about two minutes left. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time of 6.30, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Thank you very much indeed for your company today. Let's hope we see some sunshine, shall we, ladies and gentlemen? I'm back tomorrow morning from 4. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like for our new podcast service. Download the app now. Later on LBC, Ian Dale standing in for Nick Ferrari from 7 o'clock with breakfast. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.